Hello, everybody listening. This is A Better Question, a podcast, wherein we try to face real issues that are happening in the world and in our lives uh, and try to make better questions to understand in uh, deeper and more meaningful ways. My name is Steve Allen. I'm Kent Sievers. And we are A Better Question podcast. Anyway, today um, we we thought for the next couple of weeks, since we're still in a season with uh, on the national in the national news with the Georgia runoff, oh man, uh, happening yesterday, which was a big one. I'm sure Kent, you might want to talk talk a little bit about that, but uh, we thought for the next couple of episodes that we would want to help you, uh, or at least just become transparent from where. And to let you gain a window into our own personal political views. And so this week we're going to start with Kent's views, how he understands politics, and maybe uh, particularly particular views he has about oh hot button issues. Mm-hmm. And then the next uh, the next episode will will go with me, and I will uh, talk about my political views. Heck yeah! Sound good? So Kent, we're going to have you go first and. Why don't you just start by uh, letting us know how you approach politics and what you think about politics. For sure. So, yeah, um, I'm one of those annoying people that uh, tries to to (laughs) avoid labels. Uh, I'd say, I mean, you and I have both kind of talked about this. I'd say I'm probably closest to a libertarian. Uh, maybe a federalist, I think might describe my preferred structure for the United States, uh, government. Say, say that, say that term again. I think it bleeped a little bit. Yeah. Or glitch. Yeah. So federalism, uh, the Mm. idea of, you know, very levels of, of government, you have your federal government, you have your state government and then local government beneath that. So there's some stratification uh, that's important there. And it really is a decentralized uh, bias. And I think decentralization probably is my favorite word politically. (laughs) So tell me, you know, you'll probably get into it, but since we're there, how is that different from the idea of small government, for example, I, maybe yeah. a conservative might might have that that view. Yes, I'd say it's pretty compatible with the notion of small government. Um, the The biggest question for me, and again, th- this this is a kind of an exercise for for you and me to bring our bias back to the questions. Um, Mm -hmm. I think we're never going to be right about everything as an individual. I have to know that. And so having a good system and way of thinking about things will assure that I am the most successful that I can be. And I think you have to have the same look. You have to have the same outlook from a governmental perspective, um, we're never, the people are never going to be a hundred percent right. 
So how can we put the systems in place that allow us to thrive and do the best job that we can do? Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so the question was about small government. I, I think decentralization is pretty much is part and parcel in the idea of small government. I think the thing about decentralization, or at least the way that I like to define it for myself, is um, what are the things that we all need to band together to do? And that's mm. what you do federally. So, you know, if it's interstate commerce or the postal service or the national defense, like what do we absolutely need to do and what can we all agree to do? all the same. Like literally we're all compelled to do it. Um, and so small government to me is part of that decentralization, but for some things, you know, the way I think of it is a central Mm -hmm. government should only do the things that only a central government can do well. So like the national defense, we, we have to all band together to protect our country. And there's a, you know, a ton of different viewpoints on how much that's actually necessary today. Is our defense budget bloated? Well, those are different questions. But to me saying that the national defense is a federal issue is, is compatible with my viewpoint of central government because that seems like an appropriate stage to be having that conversation now if you're so talk- is that yeah yeah well what the focus of for example national defense and i'm sure you'll espouse the other areas that central government should take care of or be about is it does it have to do with masses at that point is that in your thinking like what whatever is going to impact you know yes. to have kind of a centralized uh organ organization I might call it um, organizing principle. Yes. So there, there is this need to protect the borders or to protect from right. potential invader kind of enemies. Yes. Um, and thus you need a national plan. Right. For the masses. Correct. I, yeah. I, I think that only that which needs to be done federally should be done federally. I think mm-hmm. – as as decentralized as it can be is what it should be. So the the whole, you know, part of the libertarian ideal is individual liberty. Well, that's that's saying that the one who can make the best choices for my life is me. Um, hmm. From the eyes of the government. Now, you know, this isn't. We might have a different discussion on how that. I think about that theologically, but as it pertains to the government, I want to be able to make the decisions that affect my life, most of those those decisions. And so that's where a lot of libertarians, I think, really push back and say stuff like taxation is theft because the basis of government is the threat of force, the threat of violence. At the end of the day, you know, you can levy fees, yeah. you can levy taxes, but if you don't pay your taxes, what's going to happen? Well, you're 
you could get arrested or you could have to pay a fine. And if you push back against that, then what's going to happen? Well, eventually, if you keep resisting, they're going to break down your door and drag you off. If not, you know, if you fight back against the police, they're going to kill you. And so, or at the very least, you know, render you, uh, inept. They're going to figure out a way to get you. Yeah, that's right. right. Ultimately though, depend you to their, their authority. Right. Ultimately though, the threat of force is what governments are, what gives them their power. So Hmm. national defense fits into that discussion to me very smoothly, uh, in terms of saying, well, we all are banding together to decide how our collective force is going to be used in the world as a country. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, whether that's defining borders or going to war against somebody who's doing a country principality mm-hmm. that's doing something wrong, that can be done at the federal level. That seems right. And then other things commerce, uh, local roads and fire departments and other things like that can be done locally and they can be done well locally because the, the welfare of a city in terms of not catching on fire isn't best done by the federal government. It's best done by the cities themselves. Because they can actually smell the smoke. Exactly. Also, exactly. it's their neighbors and livelihood. Yeah. Yep. If Lincoln okay. catches on fire, they will not smell it in Washington, D.C. <laughs> and, exactly. and the physical physical proximity is part of it. Mm. Um, but, you know, it, it's the structures we're talking about. So I think yeah. generally speaking, that decent, anything that can be decentralized, I would prefer it to be decentralized. Yeah, I think that is, I think what you're saying makes sense. There's, there's a lot to think about. Um, for example, I think the assumption that I, I might have if I'm listening to that is the assumption that my local government, I can trust that they're going to get the job done. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, it's hard not to... And you see this with governors today, you know, having the federal government back them up with power. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I. So I'm just I'm thinking about that word power. That's an interesting word to use. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm. I'm also thinking about what else might you add to the list? So national national defense plan. But if. But you need kind of local, the local system that's worried about, you know, the local proximity issues, but also like you talked about fires and yep. and all that kind of city structure stuff, um, which I totally get. What else would you add to the list would fall under uh, the government? Yeah. So, and even you can make, government. you bet. So you can even make a distinction between uh, my own house which I own, right, versus the Mm -hmm. city. Well, I rely on my city if my house catches on fire. 
even though that's my responsibility, it's my property. I live in a city that will come put out a fire if it starts at my house. And why is that? Mm. Because while it can catch other people's houses on fire, it's a danger to society. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I think there's a distinction that needs to be made there. And then when you start talking about other issues, well, what are we talking about doing on a federal level? Well, so many things. There are a lot. Are, are yeah, I mean, there, especially right now, a lot of things are being brought out, right? Like uh, I, I heard one senator just put it or a congresswoman put it this way. You know, what do you want to push? What should yep. we be pushing? Right. So you got economic issues, you've got, you know, like the stimulus, you've got, um, mm-hmm. you know, rights of, of those who are gay. And there are so many different kinds of things going on. But, yeah, what would you put under <laughs> so, the role of? Right. And, and yeah, I, I think the the fundamental principle that I aspire to is that the, the person who can the entity that can best rule a person is a person. An individual is the one who can best govern themselves. Yeah. Any, any reason the government steps in is because of exceptions to that. So if someone is a danger to themselves and others, then those people, we put laws in place to protect people from harming other people. And so you have kind of some questions then. I mean, look at any any issue. Like, look look at education, right? How would Kent view education? Well, first of all, I think about, well, what are we talking about? Are we talking about on a federal level? Um, constitutionally speaking, I believe that uh, education is something that's not included in the constitution expressly and therefore the 10th amendment says that should be left to the states. So I disagree with the existence of a department of education. Hmm. Now there I think is case law that says, and this is all as I understand it. um, If somebody's out there listening and they're like, well, can't, you're an idiot. Well, you are correct. Um, I'm not an expert. Welcome to to some people who want to try to get better at asking questions and understanding. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And I still have a vote. And so the way that I think about and structure my voting uh, procedures is that I, uh, to me, the the existence of the Department of Education seems to be unconstitutional. And I think there are some things that have happened in the past in case law and basically that the Supreme Court has has allowed it. Um, as I understand it, that seems why, like why we have a Department of Education. But what's happened is you have all these departments then that are able to make top-down unilateral decisions huh. about for, how your kids are for educated. everybody for everybody's kids right um even yeah. if that's government spending right they they don't mm-hmm. theoretically yeah. don't tell you anything about how to educate kids well they're still allocating money and where does that money come from it comes from taxpayers so you know and how do they base it on they base it on the test scores right i mean 
right? Like exactly. And, and in so a lot of cases, yeah, go. No, no, no. Exactly. That's exactly right. And so to me, you know, uh, okay. And I'll, I'll just outright say it like a, a libertarian perspective is, well, generally the free market can do things better than the government can unilaterally because it allows individuals to make buying and selling choices. And so you have a marketplace of ideas for your kids. Now, if that were to take place, it seems like that would happen on a state level, maybe, you know, because that, again, that's left to the states under the U.S. Constitution. But you can see how that issue just gets incredibly various, depending on what you're talking about. And complex, right? Because now you've got to figure out a way on the state level to provide funding for those who don't have economic yes. access. Correct. To the same choice. Or do you? Um. You, tell I, me more, I think when you when you say that, tell me. Tell me. What I you're think you're right. I think the state. I think. I think a society does better if people who don't have access to education, we all agree to provide access to education yes. for people who can't afford yes. it. However, you have to establish that, and you have to establish who is going to do that. And so what I'm what I'm saying is my my bent on decentralization would tend to say, well, the federal government is probably not the best place for that to happen. And if it is, you have to show that locally it didn't work. It didn't work at a local level. So we had to take it to the state. And then at the state level, it didn't work. We didn't do it well enough. And we all decided, all the states decided enough is enough. This has to be centralized. And I don't see that procedure happening so no and do you is is it um what are some reasons why it's not happening well here here's the way i view it and again this is this is uh overgeneralization right well even for my views it's an overgeneralization i my views are a little bit more nuanced than just this but i would i would say because when you make top-down decisions you can make things happen if we want to decide we want to go to the moon we start in a a nasa program to go to the moon (laughs) and who pays for that literally everybody everybody in the country and do you have a choice no you don't you don't have a choice of whether or not we go to the moon and so the uh, one of my biggest influences here is Friedrich Hayek uh, in The Road to Serfdom, one of my favorite books on government. Um, and I love it because w- what he says in there is the problem with socialism isn't that it's amoral. It's that it makes things that are not moral issues into moral issues. Hmm. So, again, let's take the space program. Well, what if I don't want to pay for the space program? Too bad. That's where your taxes are going. The only Mm. thing then is to not pay my taxes, which is a federal crime, which is then literally everything. So there's no way for me to say, well, I don't support the space program. I don't want my money to go to that or the National Endowment for the Arts. I don't want to support that, but the federal government literally mandates it. 
because they make me pay money. It goes to the treasury and then the treasury disperses it based on how the, the, how Congress decides. Hmm. And what Congress has done is give all these programs, these huge, huge purviews and jurisdictions that they can kind of do what they want without much oversight. And what I want to see in my government is structures that are based on competency and that have this basis of individual liberty rather than this communist or socialist notion that the government should decide what's best for the people. Yeah. I I actually think I like I like some of what you're saying does some of your view is it predicated upon people being informed citizens in other words you know I'm someone just to show my cards I think the endowment for the arts is a good idea I think uh, I don't know what I think about the space missions, you know, I mean, would I probably choose to support that? Maybe because I think, you know, from an anecdotal position, it's, it's great to, to, to symbolically see us strive for things like that and, and look into space and it's a lot of real estate up there. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be aware of all that now, I just, I'm not as positive about the human condition Mm -hmm. uh, to say that if you live, if there's too much, if you don't have sort of an organizing principle that's saying art is good, I'm worried that we're going to have just a self self absorbed society where there's no, you know, where things like art is being cut and music and, and so sure. on. Now I could be, Do I'm you, sure I'm wrong because artists exist regardless of who's governing. Right. I mean, it's kind of the backbone of society is just these artists who are producing right. in the midst of whatever. Well, again, it's, it, it's not, it's not the question of, uh, are you right or wrong? It's, Without a national endowment for the arts, I mean, it's taking that specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if yeah, that yeah. doesn't exist, yeah. will art continue to exist in the United yes, States? It will, it will continue to exist. Yeah. And so what? Yeah. And, and so you know, my my answer to to that question would be that's what the First Amendment is for. Um, you know, if we value art as a society, then it will exist because we have the right to free speech and free ideas. Now, I'm not an anarchist. Anarchy would say you can't have government. I don't know how you outlaw the government, um, but uh, anarchy would be, no, the free market is the only thing that ever works, and I don't agree with that. I think there are – I think that the the justice system absolutely has a place in American life – I just think that it should only be used in cases where it, it it needs to be used. So I don't want to compel – for example, I, I mean 
there's there's a big question I have about tax exemption exemption for churches. There, you know, my church I, you know, I love and support with my finances, mm-hmm. but do I want to make a law at a federal level that everyone in the United States needs to contribute financially to my church or my organization? I I don't necessarily think so. I I think that, you know, uh, I think that's bad actually. If, if there's a Muslim who lives next door to me and, and I'm putting my money in this tax deductible, pot pot then then they're essentially being forced on a minuscule level to support my beliefs and so the same thing with you know any anything else well do i want to fund uh mosques i i I don't agree necessarily with that now if if i'm supporting people i have a relationship with that should be my decision to how to spend my money but i think Mm -hmm. I think, and especially in the church, and this is a venture out there, I I think a lot of the top-down approaches make a lot of sense because you can't compel people to do the right thing. Why would that be bad? Mm -hmm. They should be doing the right thing anyway. Let's make them do it. (laughs) Right? Yeah. That is, I'm sure that's an instinct. That's a natural instinct you draw. Right. And so it, my problem is then you have an oligarchy of people who are deciding deciding what's good and what what to put forth. Right. Not the not necessarily the rights that people have, but literally how they should spend their money. Yeah. I see that. And so yeah. yeah. No, no, no. Go for it. No, so we talked about education. Uh we mm-hmm. talked a bit about Oh, just some of your your views on on the prop problems with a government deciding certain programs and so on, and mm-hmm. and it's just like they're it's just inundated with things that they're deciding from the top down. So I totally get that. How do you view healthcare? That was that was going to be my next topic as well. I'm glad you asked that. Um, I I think that a lot of my friends included think that socialized healthcare is a very good thing. Um, and I agree with them to a certain extent. Um, I think I'd have a lot of questions. If I were talking to somebody who disagreed with me, I would, I would have a lot of questions cause I want to understand why, why they, you know, you want everybody to have access to healthcare. Great. Now, the questions I would have are along the lines of, do you think that the government mandating spending on healthcare is going to increase, is going to improve healthcare? Right? That, that right. That's what we're talking that about doing with... with the yeah. Affordable Care Act with Medicare for All. That's what we're saying is the... It'll improve uh, or... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Having a 
compulsory contribution for everybody who's a, a have, right? It's the haves and the have-nots. Well, everybody mm-hmm. who's a have should be forced to support the have-nots in their health care so that they can have equal ha- access to health care. I would say, well, why is it an assumption that the government running healthcare will improve things for the have-nots? Because I, I see Congress doing a lot of things that to me seem like ineptitude. So I don't know that I would trust the care of people I'm supposed to care about to the government. Yeah. To me, it seems like a good way to have the have-nots get left behind even more. Because, the, the again, if, if something starts on fire in Lincoln, they're not going to smell it in Washington. If somebody dies yeah. in L.A., yeah. they're not going to care in Washington. You can't. I mean, you can't, as a lawmaker, care about every single soul, it, you know, who's a constituent. You, you, it's impossible. People don't – we're not built to understand 33 or uh, 330 million people, what that actually means. Um, and so that so, – that's kind of a basic question I have. So then would you say instead of that, you would make it a local issue or a state, state level, thinking about the health care of your citizens in your state? Is that – I think would you, it's, a, it's a question that you'd have to ask is could this be better done at the state level? I, I think you I think you need to ask that before you decide to do it at, at a federal level. Yeah. Um, and I, I so I, I don't necessarily think so. I mean, it, we make it to the point where I mean, w- I, I ask the question, do you think it will make things better for people? And if we can, without a doubt, say, uh, you know, Medicare for all or the Affordable Health Care Act factually there's no dispute it makes things better for poor people so or for people who don't I, have access to that i sort of take issue with the idea of make better i i just because we have to go back and there's a lot to unravel there because our healthcare system isn't necessarily i mean it's doing great work i'm not decrying the healthcare my wife's a nurse yeah uh, we had a, you know, my daughter Amelia was someone who had chronic illness. And mm-hmm. and so the sort of value and technologies that are coming out of there and the kind of care she got was amazing, right? But yep. healthcare is set up more as a preventative and not proactive. And so to say it makes someone better, it's almost like you can't even ask that about our current healthcare system um, for the most part. it. It gives someone, if they have a life-threatening disease, access to, to care to either mitigate or stave off death. Yep. Um, but I don't feel like our healthcare system is necessarily set up making people better. I think a lot of other things have popped up, right? Like, uh, I mean, you think of gyms and yep. um, yoga studios and yep. and all, all kinds of, uh, to your point, because of the personal freedoms that we have to start those kinds of things mm-hmm. those are more of the things that i think um are happening but again the people utilizing those are probably more of the haves 
mm-hmm. um, because the haves typically have a little, they have discretionary income or a little bit more and mm-hmm. they have maybe discretionary time on the weekends or at night. Um, so they're able to, to take part in those kind of extra prevent, uh, proactive, proactive uh, services. And so, right. but I would say instead of making it better, I think the thing that it does do is it is helping the have nots. I mean, in principle, if you were to, if you have a healthcare for all, mm-hmm. it is, it is allowing at least the have nots to have access to these, these cares as they face life-threatening or even um health issues right like yep and without without that kind of um thing open or available you know you're an uninsured person you're going into the emergency room and um and then that and then we're all paying for it anyway um and those prices are exorbitant exorbitant yeah. And some of it's written off for sure, but a lot of it is not. Um, so I don't know. I, I there's, think there, there is something to be said about having access accessible. Now, could that be done at the state level? That that seems reasonable to think, how do we take care of the people in our state? Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Those are some of the questions I had about health care. So, I mean, you you have to you you have to take a holistic approach when you're when you're saying did this work or not. Well, I will point out that it doesn't have to work. Congress just needs to make it a law. There's there's nothing saying. I mean, what with the Affordable Health Care Act, what where you know if if a corporation's doing that, it's saying okay. Is this going to make money? You have a goal and this needs to be profitable. Well, a government uh, theoretically can take the same view except not have to worry about profit, right? So that that's kind of the narrative that's being sold to people. So the government can say, well, we don't have to make a profit, but we do need to care for people. And so the government is just this paternal or maternal entity that that cares for people but you have this affordable care act which is the law of the land right now what was the 10-year plan to say well (laughs) if this happens in 10 years then we know it's working yeah i don't think there was there isn't any it doesn't need one right it's more more signing up to the system Right, and, no, and how often do do the does the American public get uh, health of the Affordable Care Act? <laughs> uh, if not you not so much, like, but but then we're now we're being sold Medicare for all, and yeah. I, I try not to say That's that with any point. kind of I, I try not to say that with any kind of spite. Personally, this this has been my experience is I've seen personal for. For people like me, I have seen healthcare costs double or triple. And that that's not I, I should say that differently. Not healthcare costs. I have seen health insurance costs insurance double or costs. triple. Right. 
it makes me wonder how much healthcare costs are are bloated unnecessarily. Mm-hmm. Where a free market has a lot of stop gaps built in. If people don't want a service, they can stop buying it. Um, there's a lot of the free market that is that decentralization has that built in. Now, I think there there needs to be some semblance of order with it. But when you're, when you're talking about healthcare, I, I don't know that you absolutely know that federal spending even makes the bottom rungs any better. I think I think the best way to get access to the bottom rungs is by having a profitable society. I mean, in the past century alone, poverty has dropped dr- dramatically. And even the baselines for poverty have raised. Mm. And so... Uh, to me, if you view it in terms of, I mean, there are people today, I mean, I live like a king would have 200 years ago. Like I can Absolutely. do whatever I want. I, I can watch TV. A king 200 years ago could never have watched TV or made a podcast with his buddy, Steve, like exactly. never could have yeah. done it. Yeah. Um, And so that's all things that happen because of human ingenuity and by and vastly vastly the case is the government is not driving human ingenuity um where does it Mm. defense spending military applications for things Uh, a lot of that stuff has been has started in the military but when it comes to healthcare, to me i i don't personally and i haven't delved into it as much as as experts have but my baseline of saying well in in most political things i have a most political fields uh or political issues i have this this notion that the free market generally can do things better or people generally are going to be their own experts yeah and i think the fact of the matter is, I, I know for myself, I make bad decisions that don't benefit me. Sure, but the the narrative that the government can make that decision for me better, I think, is even more foolish. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's that's why the mm. my my bent towards decentralization, um, and with healthcare, I think, you know, even healthcare. I mean, I I. Uh, almost died in a boating accident mm-hmm. six, seven right. years, almost seven years ago now. I mean, that depended, them saving my life depended on the helicopter getting there. That de- depended on that aviation knowledge. Uh, it depended on definitely some some public yeah. funding. Resources. I mean, the notion that somebody could call and get a helicopter to come get me, that the structures that got me there, some of them were private and some of them were public. Mm-hmm. And I'm thankful for all of them because they were all good enough to save my life. Right. And so I do, I, I definitely think there's a place for public spending on healthcare. I just don't think that 
giving the keys entirely to the federal government is the right is the right call there. No, I I totally I think I can resonate with a lot of that. I and we don't have a ton of time left, but I think right. I get worried about the I probably am a bleeding heart for the people who have nothing, right? I mean, I'm not saying you're not, but I am Yeah. And I'm well, and, and Steve, part of that is pedant I don't want to be pedantic to say like, look, if you had a competitive healthcare system, right? And a free yeah. market that were kind of making insurance companies competitive, would someone who has who's lower income be able to afford health insurance? I would like to think so. Because sure. costs would be driven down. Their level of care, where would that be? What's the accountability structures for, for that? Um, so it, you know. let, me, let, me, let me pose a question to you, though. Did the government yeah. compel you to care about those people? No. Do you no, think no. it's possible that there, if the government didn't compel people – to care for for the least of these, that mm-hmm. people could do that, or would do that. I mean, the whole thing I, is we're 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 so. trying to make the government say that as a top yeah. down strategy, right? Yeah, that's a good point. We're mm-hmm. we're. I mean, you and I are the people like us are the ones driving that, driving the government to say, hey, we need to care for these people. Well, yeah. what if instead of going to going to teacher and saying, Hey, you need to care for these people. Why wouldn't it be more direct? Why, why, you know, or, or me being able to say, Hey, I can't directly care for these people, but they need care. So I can give my money. Maybe I get back some of my 40% of my income that goes to the federal government. And maybe I could make the decision to donate that to a charity or something that could help people. Yeah. I mean, and I, maybe that's not the, uh, again, I don't, I don't know for sure, but I think that you need to be able to say, well, no, the government option is the only thing that works before you start saying that we need to make it compulsory. Yeah. I'm a, I'm, I understand. I think I have, I think this is really brought up a lot in me on how I view uh, human nature. <laughs> uh, I think that I can have sometimes a negative bent. Like, yeah. How did these government programs come about? I, in, in, in the U S sure. and I don't know the history of that. I don't yep. know all of it. Right. Yeah, neither I, do I. I, I assume part of it, I'm not saying it was huge chunk, but I think that part of it is perhaps that, maybe our poor were not being taken care of by their neighbors. Um, Mm -hmm. And and thus you had to come up with something. Mm -hmm. And so I imagine it came out of, out of a a solution for a big problem. Uh, Much like what you see in, in, you know, Oregon and some of the places that are overrun by homelessness. And I mean, in California as well, Mm-hmm. I mean, the prices of real estate and, and so on. So 
your your average person is is homeless these days in some of the parts and mm-hmm. and, and like it's it's so overwhelms um, the local right citizens there and, mm-hmm. and the government that they have to have outside help it, yep. in their words um, so I probably see those pictures in places and start to think are we would we notice or would we if we have if we're part of the haves which i would say i am mm-hmm. would i am, am i giving into kind of this temptation of comfort and ease and and sort of what can be a cultural mindset of what's not bothering me if you're not bothering me do what you do you do right. you do you mm-hmm. uh and you're not bothering me you're not sitting on my on my grass and sleeping on my grass Mm-hmm. and you're just you're over there and i don't know i'm just like i just don't want to be wired like that i do want to know this um and and i yep. guess to your point maybe there are maybe i'm not the only one that would notice and maybe yeah. maybe we would maybe you're right maybe it would drive and stir uh ingenuity and a way of problem solving and something better something that looks more like compassion and love than and sort of cold, cold, uh, formalities from government. Um, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, lot, I mean, you're making me think about all of that for sure. Along those lines. And, and look, I, like I'm not saying they're bad ideas at, at all. I, I, I think what's, what's scary to me is how much power there is in those. When we take yeah, something like the yeah. affordable healthcare act and say, Remember this thing we did where we fixed healthcare six years ago? Well, now we want to fix it again because it did, because yeah. like, well, did it work? Well, it doesn't matter. We're talking about, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about Medicare for all. This is what we're talking about. And it's like, well, you just threw trillions of dollars yeah. to something. And now you're trying to throw trillions more dollars. I mean, trillions. Yeah. Tri- without any, uh, are are the are the bot is, is the is the bottom one percent any better off after that? I think if right. I think I, if you can look know. at it and so. and say unequivocally, we spent trillions of dollars and by, by Jove it worked, and so we need to do it again. That's a compelling uh-huh. argument. But if you look at that and you say, well, there's really no metric for that whatsoever. We have no idea if it worked or not. Let's do it again. That scares me. So I, I'm not, Good point. I, I'm not pushing Good point. against, I'm not pushing against having systems in place to care for, for, for the poor, for needy people. Exactly the opposite. I, I actually think that allowing people to decide what they are. I mean, it, we're talking about meta narratives uh, somewhat. Yeah. Uh, let me overgeneralize and say that charitable giving in the U S <laughs> is higher than anywhere in the world that uh i mean look at look at communist soviet russia like you think there were a lot of thriving nonprofits there no <laughs> <laughs> and they were compelled to do everything that was supposed to care for the the yeah. what the proletariat i'm not up on my communism yeah. but i i, I, I just i think that uh, and I'm again, I might be wrong. I think that the way to care for the the least of these 
the best way, the best system that can do it is free market capitalism. Mm. And yeah. the, the idea of a liberal liberalism, the idea uh-huh. of allowing people to think for themselves and make their their own choices allows people allows for charitable giving allows for bleeding hearts to to profit enough that they can support other people effectively help yeah so i mean that's that's my approach to it if if you think that medicare for all is the right thing i'm not saying you're a dummy I would just have a lot of questions for you and and at face value I probably would be inclined to to disagree agree to disagree but again I I want to learn I and the, the whole point of this podcast is I I want to learn more about it I I think I've heard enough, enough diverse viewpoints to have uh a, a, a framework that I use but that that's not to say that it's it's God's framework, and therefore, if you question yeah. it, yeah, you're threatening me. Not at all. No, no, that's good, man. I I uh, I really appreciate taking the time to give us an insight into your into these. Just how you think about the system, I think, is the the, the best way to put it, because there are a lot of case by cases that would come up, and um. And I, but, but to be able to say as a, as a whole, this is what, after researching and thinking and seeing how things have worked here, Mm -hmm. here are the places where I think central government is, is can do their things with competency, right. Mm -hmm. And get it done. Potentially not that there isn't going to be some blaring mistakes and, and overreaching of power still because of human nature, but at the same time, they're kind of set up to do this. Mm-hmm. National defense. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm hearing you say. But things like educating my kids in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, it just, it seems to fall short and it seems to be laden with problems. Uh, healthcare would be another one of those that you'd have questions about. And so actually this was really um, helpful for me and stirs my imagination. And, um, but I think we've run out of time. Yep. Is there anything else you would want to say to everybody? No, I think. I mean, I, I think my last my last point is is what I want. Um, I, I I think m- what I want to do, and hopefully this this is an example for others, is to say I I have these pretty strong opinions about government. But if that ever if that ever stops me from learning from someone, then it's it's negative to my life, not positive. Yep. Nope, that's a good word for all of us. Continue to be curious. I mean, I think I think we all have those. I like to call them scales on our eyes. Mm-hmm. That with a, a new experience or or things that we if they're constructive ideas that are coming out of us coming at us thought through thoughtful things. I think we need to take the moment to ruminate on them Mm -hmm. and see where, you know, see if things need to be reshaped in our own lives. I think that's always the way we should approach these things. But 
it doesn't mean that your central convictions will change. Right. But it does mean there might be, you might give complexity and layers to the things you're already thinking. So exactly. it, it behooves us, it behooves us on two levels uh, to consider what others are saying, especially when they're doing it from uh, a place of honesty, if they're honestly mm -hmm. asking questions and seeking and, and giving ideas, we can, we don't have to be afraid to consider for our right. own sake. Right. But then also, isn't this whole thing about a, a better question about, um, about seeing the nobility in, in other people? Yes. You know, you've, you've been given faculties, you've been given a worldview or a way of thinking about things and I actually am a better person by having listened to you because because of your presence, I get there's something that I, I'm changed in a way. Um, I your presence in my life means that my my life becomes more colorful and more layered. And so if we cut that off, then, you know, we're just we're losing. Likewise. Yep. So I don't have to adopt everything, but. Yeah, I can. Uh, I can certainly grow. Yeah, and it, it well, allows you to be a good practitioner, right? Like, it, it, you have to have that that goodwill mindset before you can actually be a good citizen or a good politician. Yep, that's right. So. Well, thank you, Kent, for taking the time to outline a little bit of how you're thinking about things, and I'm certain certain that everyone um, has had their fill of of talking heads uh we certainly we know that this podcast is not that um we're trying to trying to create the space to um to give the kind of time we need to i i think give the space to um what i want to say just talk about things without feeling like we're going to get a hammer coming down and crushed and yep. name called, you know, you're right. And so we just want a different space here. And, and so hopefully that's what you want as well as your listener, as you're listening to this podcast, we're glad you joined us. And until next time, my name is Steve Allen. I'm Kent Sievers. And this is a better question podcast. Take care. Uh, yeah. See you next time. See you next time. <laughs> Oh, uh, whoopsie.